Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. If it is your first time to City Bridge, welcome. My name is David. I get to serve here on staff and happy Mother's Day. If you are a mother, we just honor you. If you're a new mother or a seasoned mother or a single mother, you in particular are my hero as someone who was raised by a single mom. We just want to honor everyone here. If you're here with a mother and it caught you off guard, not realizing today is Mother's Day, I just want to invite you to stand up and pretend like you're going to the restroom and there's a Walgreens like two miles away. And so you could get a card and a balloon or something and probably be back before the service is over. But all jokes aside, I also know that Mother's Day, while it's a chance to really celebrate the gift that motherhood is, it's also a time where some of us may be grieving and coming in and Mother's Day is a reminder of the story that God has you in that's not the story that you wish that it was. It doesn't involve the children or the timeline that you wish that it had. And I just want you to hear, we see you, we love you, we're so glad that you're here. We'd love to serve and pray for you and care for you. And if you fill out that connect, we'd love to follow up and or at the end of the message, just down front in any way that we can. But I also wanna remind you that Biblically speaking, there's a way in which no matter if you're married or you have biological kids or not, that women play a unique, intrinsic role of mothering, and it's even a biblical idea that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, the scripture says that Eve was called the mother of all living. It says the man called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. Now, at this point in the story, there is no Cain, there's no Abel, there's no children, and yet Even in creation, God says that there's a motherly quality and you are strengthening our church by being here and being a godly spiritual mother to others and being a godly just woman in our midst. And we are thankful and honor you as well. So let me pray and then we're gonna dive in. We're gonna look at a specific mother in scripture that I think will give us a model regardless of where we're at in life of what it looks like to be effective at making disciples and raising children. So let me pray. Father, I thank you for the gift that so many godly mothers are in this body. I thank you for the gift of godly fathers, just godly men and women who love you, who believe that life is found in you and are walking alongside of you and calling others to do the same. Would you strengthen our hearts through your word and encourage areas that need to be refreshed? We pray all this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, my family is celebrating Mother's Day. I've been married to my wife, Callie, for 10 years. We've got three kids. I think they've got a picture up on the screen. I showed this a couple weeks ago, but we have a seven-year-old son named Crew, a four-year-old daughter named Moreau, and a a one-year-old, one-and-a-half-year-old named Bear. And when my daughter was born, I did not realize just how much, how many years of my life were going to be taken off by the first like year with her in life. And by that, I mean, she went nine straight months without sleeping through the night. 
Now, something happens to the human brain when you deprive it of sleep for that many consecutive days. I mean, we were just so desperate and we tried baby wise. And if you're in that life stage, you know what I'm talking about. Everyone tries to come up and give you the solution of like, oh, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? And we tried all of it. We went through everything and they're like, man, this worked wonders for us. They weren't sleeping, slept right through the night. You should try it. We try that and go back to them. And they're like, well, every kid's different. And so we just constantly looked for a solution to get something. And nine months in, my wife came, and when I came home from work one day, and she said, I want to hire a sleep trainer. And they come into the house, and they sleep in the room, or they stay up all night with a child that's sleeping in the room, and it's $500. So I said, no. And of course I didn't say no. She said, all I want for Christmas, all I want for my birthday, all I want for our anniversary, all I want in general is sleep. And so if this will work, and honestly, when you're nine months in, you're so desperate, you're gonna try, we would have gone to the witch at Endor at that point. We would have done anything, which the people laughing read their Bible, which is why they get that joke. We would have done anything. And so we tried it and it was a bizarre, it's as bizarre as it sounds. Somebody comes over and they go in and basically observe the baby and try to put together a plan and identify what's not working, what the problem is, why they're not sleeping. And the next morning comes and she had a list of here's the solutions and what you need to do. And it really came down to one thing, Benadryl. And no, that's not it at all. <laughs> he walked through, for whatever it's helpful, it's like, hey, here's, you need a feeder at different times. It basically was an adjustment on how we were parenting and it cracked the code and it worked. Our ability to get sleep and her sleeping through the night actually worked and took place. Now, what does that have to do with this morning? Well, uh, if you're a parent in the room, you may not be in the stage where you're trying to crack the code on sleep, but there's a perpetual journey of trying to crack the code and figure out new seasons. Maybe you're in the stage where your kids are all now in school and you're trying to figure out how do I best, you know, be a mom or be a father to them. Or maybe your kids are reaching into the dark ages of puberty and you're walking through the hormones that have just showed up in your house and how do I love and care for them? Or maybe you're in the stage where your kids are going to college and how do you figure out how to pay for bills and pay for school or figuring out you know, cracking the code on providing, or maybe you're in that empty nester stage and your kids are starting adulthood and they, they haven't figured out the adult part of adulthood and you're trying to get them to empty the nest. Wherever you're at, we're gonna look at an example in scripture of a mother and specific things that she did that had a profound impact on her son. She's one of the few mothers that's mentioned by name in all of the Bible, in particular in the New Testament. And her name is Eunice. Now, Eunice, you may not be familiar with, it's not normally everyone's favorite Bible character, which is why today is going to be by far the best sermon you've ever heard on Eunice, because <laughs> it is the only sermon you've ever heard on Eunice. But she raised one of the most influential people in history, and her relationship was a profound one, according to the Apostle Paul, with her son. Her son was the name, or was named Timothy. Now, you may be somewhat familiar with Timothy, but Timothy, if there's Batman and Robin, that would have been Paul and Timothy. He was the Robin to Paul's Batman. Timothy was, what do I say, one of the more influential people. I mean, he co-authored six books of the Bible. That doesn't get a lot of press, but you go through the epistles and it's Paul and Timothy. Now, if your son is writing Bible, you, you give all the parenting lessons you want. You're winning. And this is who raised Timothy. Timothy went on to lead one of the largest, or historians say the first megachurch in the ancient world, the church of Ephesus. When the apostle John died or was exiled, 
They looked around and said, who's going to take over for John? Timothy is an extraordinary individual. And in the scriptures, we're given insight into his personal relationship with his mother. And we see three things that we're going to look at. And I think they're really three things that are applicable to making disciples, whether that's in terms of parenting or making disciples in general. We're going to look at three things quickly, and then everybody can head out and go get a nice Mother's Day meal. But specifically, the love that she modeled, the lessons she taught him, and the legacy she left him. The lessons she taught him, or the love she modeled, the lessons she taught him, and the legacy she left him. So we're going to be in first sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 3. And if you have a Bible, you can flip there. If not, we, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the Welcome Center we would love to give to you in either way. It'll be up on the screen. Here's what all you need to know about the book of 2 Timothy. It was written by the Apostle Paul, who was in jail awaiting his death sentence. And it's some of the final words that Paul would ever write. And he's writing to this man that he in another scripture said, I have no one else like Timothy. There's no one else in terms of the way that he follows Jesus and ministers for Jesus. And he's writing to this really close relationship and he writes shortly before he would be let out into a Roman courtyard, forced to kneel and be beheaded. And so these last words are a picture of the relationship that these two men have and we're going to see some of the final instructions that he gives to Timothy. Verse 3. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine or your sincere faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, here's our girl, Eunice. And I know that same faith that was in your grandmother and in your mother continues strong in you. The first thing we see about Eunice is that she was marked by a sincere, genuine devotion to Jesus. A sincere faith marked her life. The first thing is the love that she modeled. The love she modeled. What did she model in terms of love? Was it a love that I love my kids more than anybody else? No. It was I love Jesus more than anything else. And out of that, I can now love people, my children, others, because I know where my first love is. One of the things that as parents we can model is a, a genuine love and devotion to Jesus. That the highest call and love that should be your first love and my first love is not towards uh, your spouse. It's not towards people around you. It is towards Jesus. And out of that, we can now love our children. And Paul says she had a genuine, sincere, the Greek word is unhypocritical or unhypocritos. Faith marked her. What's interesting is that this faith, in a way, was almost contagious. We see that, hey, it marked her, and it's like inside of the home, that sincere devotion, real faith. She had a real relationship with Jesus, and it's almost as if it was contagious. It had entered into the home, and Timothy caught it. It's similar to, you know, for those of us who are, in the stage where you've got young kids. Anyone have like kids under five, five and under, any here? Okay, two of you? Awesome, man. For those of us that are there, 
But you know that anytime sickness enters the home, it's going to spread like crazy. It just like you're, you're in this stage where your kids are little Petri dishes. And so they take the disease in and they incubate it, they make it stronger, and then they give it to mom and dad. So when sickness enters the home, I just know whatever they have, we might as well drink it out of the same straw because I'm on the clock. This is going to happen because it's contagious. And in a similar way, this faith had come into the home of Timothy and like a cold, he caught it. This genuine faith. What's also interesting is that genuine faith can be contagious when it's seen and when we model it for our kids and they actually think, yeah, this is not just a Sunday I show up and it's a Sunday faith and we go to church. No, it's an everyday faith that really impacts how my parents think about decisions they make, how they live their life, how they spend their time, how they spend their resources. It really impacts their life. They're constantly talking about it. The other opposite is also true. Insincere faith, hypocritical faith, a Sunday alone faith can also be contagious. I say that I haven't worked with young adults for the past 13 years previously. I can't tell you the number of stories that I've heard from young adults who said, yeah, I was raised in somewhat of a Christian home or my parents would go to church or we'd be there on Sunday and Easter or Christmas and Easter and they kind of had a Bible, but it was just something that was a part of their life. It wasn't like they had a real faith. I didn't know that existed and it turned them off to the message of Christ. That genuine faith can be contagious, but hypocritical faith can also be. And Eunice models what all of us can apply, that first idea of, man, my first love is Christ. And from that, I can now minister, and I can care, and I can now love rightly the people that God has placed around me. The second thing we see in the story of Timothy is the lessons she taught him. So the love that she modeled and then the lessons she taught him. This comes from chapter three, where he later is talking about God's word and he brings up the childhood Timothy had. He says this, verse 14. But if you remain faithful to the things, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught, you know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. What are you talking about, Paul? You have been taught the Holy Scriptures, that's the Bible, from childhood. And they have given you wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. What are the lessons that she taught? He just brings up that, hey, you know, Timothy, your mother has been teaching you from childhood the scriptures, that she has been pointing you back to God's word as a source of instruction and direction in your life. Timothy, you know, I mean, God's word is there to direct in God. That's what it just said. For you to be able to experience what God's best is in terms of where you work and how you live and who to marry and how to date and how to have life. You, you know these things. And remember, Timothy, you, you've been taught these since you were a little boy by Eunice. She's been pointing you back to the scriptures, pointing you back to God's instructions, the creator's directions. S similar to... My wife and I, about eight months ago, took a big step and we officially became minivan people. Any minivan people in this room? You know, I thought we were Tahoe people, but turns out we're minivan people. And you know what? The change is good. It's uh, incredibly practical if you're in that stage. The doors, they never have, you know, they don't open and hit another car. It just, it makes life easier. But point being, I got that minivan and you may not be like me, 
But when I get something like that, a new purchase, I want to make sure that I maximize everything that's useful or take advantage of every utility and everything. I just know it. So I quickly, day one, take the owner's manual and I'm reading up. I can't believe I'm admitting this on a stage right now, but I'm reading a minivan instructions to why to make sure that I know everything about the creator's instructions and directions so that I maximize and take full advantage of all the different operating systems and all the different things that this van comes with. And Eunice knew that there's a God who wants you to experience the fullness of life that's found when you live according to his word. And so from a very early age, she was pointing Timothy to God's word. She was incorporating the scriptures throughout his childhood, pointing him back to, this is how we think about the world around us, Timothy. This is where we find our identity and our value And this is why we treat people the way that we do, because God's word says to do these things. And another way that you and I can live out exactly what Eunice did, whether it's directly with our children or spiritually speaking and making disciples, is by constantly going back to God's word. That your kids hear, hey, this is why mommy and daddy live this way, because the scriptures say to. They were constantly pointing back, just like Eunice was in this scenario that you're gonna leave them with direction that no matter what they face and where they go in life, they know where, according to their parents, they can find direction in this life. How fitting and appropriate in a world that is so confused and has so many lies and is so opinion-filled where everyone lives according to what they think is true, what they think is best. I mean, if I was right now to say, hey, we're gonna all on three point the direction that we think is north, ready? Everybody on three. One, two, three, point. It's not at the ceiling. For sure, definitely not at the ceiling. That, it literally happens every time. There's one guy. <laughs> well, the good news is, and a lot of you are kind of in the close direction, the kind of different directions that people are pointing. You don't have to wonder, because if you have an iPhone, they had invented something called a compass that's on there. True North is right there. And I don't have to wonder because what does a compass do? It doesn't change over time. It points directionally north every single time. It tells you, directionally speaking, what is true. And God's word, Eunice knew she was going to equip him to have the compass of God's word written into his heart, poured into his life from an early age through the lessons that she taught him of scripture. In my own life, I remember how profoundly, I mentioned earlier being raised by a single mom and how profound seeing her live this out was to my life. I can't remember a single morning to this day that I didn't wake up and go down to the kitchen counter and see her with God's word open in front of her, writing out prayers, highlighting and making different notes. And it was unquestionable. This is clearly a priority to her. She really believes this. I've seen in my own life with my wife, even as recent as this week, the ways she's been so intentional, and so many of you mothers are so intentional to point your kids back to scripture. My oldest son actually came to a place of trusting in Christ this week, which is a huge moment for us. Yeah, and it happened through some intentional conversations that she had with him. He had gone and I had told actually the staff here when we were at staff prayer, And I had shared with some of the staff who asked, how can we be praying for you guys? And I said, man, I'd love you to pray that God would save my kids. 
And I think my oldest, the thing that's gonna prevent him from becoming a Christian is he already thinks that he is one. And the next day, out on the playground, he's out talking with a kid, unprompted by anything from us, and he's talking with another kid, another first grader at a Christian school, and says to this friend, are you a Christian? And he responded with, no. Are you? And my son said, no, I don't think that I am. And he goes home later that afternoon and he's telling my wife this, who just like so many of you do, was so intentional to ask, why do you think that? And why, what, what does it mean to be a Christian? And how do we know what it means? By going back to God's word, that it's not to pray and ask Jesus into your heart, it's to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as the payment on the cross for your sin, everything wrong that you've ever done, paid for through his death and his resurrection. And throughout that conversation, I mean, here's just a sweet picture that I snapped that night as they were in it. They may not even have it. But I just got to see a clear example of a godly mother pointing back to scripture. And I don't share any of that because there's a promise or assumption that, hey, if we do everything right, then God's gonna save your kids. Because quite honestly, that's just not true. There are some amazing parents in here that don't have kids that are walking with Jesus. God has not promised anything, but we do have a unique chance and position to point them back to scripture and to point them to God's word. So we see in Eunice, the lessons that she taught him, the love that she modeled for him, and then finally, the legacy that she left him with. The legacy she left him with. Now to get here, we've got to step out of the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy, and go to the book of Acts. Because at this point in the story, you may be thinking, oh man, Eunice, gosh, all right. I, she clearly is just the perfect Sunday school Susie, got everything together, president of the PTA, probably leads the nest at City Bridge. Her house is always picture perfect. Her kids are always in order. In the real world, what are we supposed to do as parents when we've blown it or we don't have everything always together? And the good news is, you only know part of Eunice's story. Eunice was someone who had a past. And one of the legacies that she leaves is that God's, your, your past and my past is not a problem for God's grace, but it can be a platform for God's grace. Now, why do I say that? We're about to look at a really interesting, really important piece to understand Timothy, to understand the grace of God, quite honestly. Timothy and Eunice lived in a town called Lystra. And the Apostle Paul tells us about the first time that they met. It's in Acts chapter 16, and he says this. Paul went first to Derbe, that's another city, and then to Lystra. Lystra is a town that's today in modern-day Turkey, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother, that's our girl, was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. His mother was a Jewish believer, and his father wasn't Jewish. No mention, which you would assume, if he was a believer, that he was a believer. He was, had no relationship with God. We're introduced to several interesting data points that were transformative to the life of Timothy. That Eunice had become a believer and had met Jesus and her son had as well. But Eunice was a Jewish woman. And we're told that Eunice 
had married a Greek man. Now to us, that's interesting, fascinating. Uh, you know, I've heard that before. To this, it transformed everything about Timothy's life. What do I say that? Because the Jewish people were commanded by God, you are not to marry outside of Jewish men and women. You are to marry someone from among the people of God. It was commanded throughout the scriptures. And to not do that was disobedient to God. And Eunice, like the stories of many, many people at some point, maybe she just didn't believe the faith of her parents and she decided I'm going to disobey God's command and marry outside of God's people. The command is similar to today, how God says you and I as believers in Christ are to marry from among God's people, marry other believers in life so that you can raise believers in the home. Same command had been given to the Jewish people. You're to marry among other Jewish men and women. And yet Eunice had a season of some rebellion and decided I'm not gonna do that. She ends up marrying this man, and from that disobedience, a little baby boy was born. From that sin came Timothy. Now, why do I say it would have been so at the centerpiece of all of Timothy's life? Because he was the byproduct of what the Jewish people would have seen as an illegitimate marriage. He would have been called a term that was a racial slur, a momser. He would have been barred from going to synagogue to worship. He would have been forbidden from marrying another Jewish boy. He would have been ridiculed. He would have been seen as an outcast. And his mother would have been seen as responsible for through her disobedience, bringing this child into the world. And yet, of all the people that God would choose to bring about one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever seen was a mom who became a mom through decisions of sinful disobedience, which showcases our God does not have a past that he cannot overcome, but there is no past that cannot be a platform when we surrender it to God that he can use to transform. I mean, Timothy, if you remember, the rabbis were forbidden from circumcising somebody who wasn't Jewish. And so Timothy is, is half Jewish, could not have been circumcised, which is why in verse three of chapter 16, the apostle Paul says, I wanna invite you to be a part of my ministry to the Jewish men and women. But for that to happen, Timothy, one of the requirements to be a part of this ministry that I'm starting is we're gonna to have to circumcise you. He is a young adult at this time. I mean, you think our ministry requirements are tough? I'd like you to serve on the parking team. But we're gonna to have to have surgery. I mean, that's exactly what happened. His life was so impacted by this. And today, no one thinks of him as like an outcast and disobedience. You don't even know any of that. You think of him as somebody that got saved by God and was a part of spreading the message of Jesus to the world around us. Because there's no past that is a problem for God's grace. And every past can be a platform when we decide, God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust your way. It's just what he does. He writes it over and over. He takes pornography addicted people like me and he turns them into pastors, not perfect people. The pastors, he takes people that have had the story of an abortion being in their past and some of the best, in fact, the best ministers to any woman that's in this life stage or made that decision or considering that decision all have that in their past. It's not a problem, it's a platform of God's grace at work. And I could go on and on. The worst marriage inside of this room that's on the fringes or fraying at its seams, God can take and through your story and through surrender and walking with him, restore it completely, form a marriage ministry out of that 
relationship today. It's what he does. He brings dead people alive. He brings children back to their parents. There's no person who's a prodigal and running from God right now that is represented by maybe the family members that are here that he cannot bring back to himself, that he does not want to bring back to himself. And Eunice gives us all hope because there's brokenness in every life in here that God can redeem any rebellion when we turn back and trust in him. And Eunice shows the legacy that she left him is how great and amazing our God is. I mean, if you were to take bets in the city of Lystra on most likely to succeed, you're not picking Timothy. The kid from an illegitimate marriage who can't go be taught the scriptures at synagogue so his mom has to teach him at home. And yet that's exactly what God does. That he rewrites stories and whatever your story and wherever you're at right now, our God rewrites stories. There's no home too broken his grace can't break into. That he doesn't right now want to break into. But it involves us saying, God, we, we're turning to you. We're gonna trust in you. Eunice, in that story, ministers to me every time in so many ways because in some familiar parallels, I feel like my story resonates so much with Timothy, not of the missionary or writing Bible, but of coming from a broken home, being raised in an environment where there was no spiritual male leader in the father figure sense for Timothy. That, like I said, I was raised predominantly by a single mom and I look back and God's grace and protection in my life, she, it was one of the greatest gifts. And so maybe you're a single mom here today and to you, I would encourage you just keep going. I know it's exhausting, I know it's tiring, but no doubt, almost across the board, the most significant eternal impact almost all of us will have is not something you do, but someone you raise. And you and I have a daily chance as parents or even just as believers to disciple and pour into others and specifically pour into children. I mentioned my mother, I look back at what she did and why it was so profoundly influential in my story is she really did these things. She modeled imperfectly because no parent is perfect, but a love for Jesus leading us in prayer, talking to us about Jesus, being intentional in conversations. And you know what, I mean, to many parents that are doing that in the room, it wasn't magical and it wasn't like sitting at your feet and teach me, it was as a teenager, you're like, can I be dismissed now? That was with the response that I had. And yet it had a lasting impact that she pointed us back to God's word and the lessons that she taught us and the legacy she left us of despite the mistakes in her past, and I don't have to hide, God's grace is big enough for all of those things. Abraham Lincoln once said, no child with a godly mother is poor. And I am so proud of the godly mothers in this room and the godly fathers, the godly followers of Christ that there's hundreds and hundreds of kids less than a hundred yards away who no matter what they face in life and no matter what car they someday drive and no matter what house they someday live in and no matter where they someday work or where they go to school will forever be rich 
because of the godly mothers in this room. And I don't know what stage you're at. Maybe you're like us and you just young kids and then you're just tired and you feel like you're treading water and just trying to keep it all together, get kids to different things where they need to go. And maybe the encouragement you need to hear is it's worth it. I mean, Eunice had no idea in everyday ordinary moments that teaching her son the Bible, that praying over him, that modeling that sincere faith. I mean, this was just normal. She didn't know she's going to have her name written in the Bible. She didn't know that her son would go on to lead the largest mega church in the ancient world. She didn't know the influence and impact that she would make through him. But through faithful, ordinary, everyday moments, God used her to shape and form one of the greatest missionary forces for the gospel that has ever lived. And to you, you have no idea in the ordinary, everyday, ordinary moments what God's going to do. But it's through the everyday, ordinary, I'm praying, I'm talking about Jesus, I'm showing you the Bible, I'm showing you how I share my faith when we're out in public. It's through this, your kids seeing that, the ordinary, that the extraordinary comes forward. And so keep going. It's worth it. And the window that God has entrusted you with is shorter than you think. And today we get a chance to go and to love and to care for the kids or for the relationships and for the friends. And really beyond mothers, we all as a body get to go serve and get to go model a love for Jesus. No matter if you're a husband or single or whatever your stage, we get to go show a sincere faith to the world around us. Point other believers to the lessons that scripture directs our life and to showcase to the world around us, our God doesn't have a past that's a problem for him. It can be a platform for him when people trust him with it. There was a woman in the 1940s, lived in California, and she was just an ordinary Sunday school teacher at church in California. Like many in this room probably have done at some point in their life, taught a Sunday school class or taught a group of young high school students or young college or young kids. And this woman led a Bible study or Sunday school class for many years. And she had no idea that through her faithfulness and just showing up and preparing and pointing people to scripture, what God would do through her ordinary. Some of the names that came through her Bible study were the following. Someone named Billy Graham. Another man named Bill Bright, who was the founder of Campus Crusade. Someone named Dawson Trotman, who founded Navigators. Jim Rayburn, founder of Young Life. If you've been impacted by one of those ministries, Young Life, Billy Graham, maybe your family, can we just raise a hand real quick? I mean, look at that. She had no idea showing up on Sunday. I'm just going to teach the Bible to these young students who probably at some point annoyed her, who probably got on her nerves, who probably she didn't always feel like doing it. And yet through everyday faithfulness, she said, I'm going to show up and instruct people where life is found in Christ. And it's easy to lose sight of how you're ordinary is making an impact, but it's making an impact. And if that's where you are, keep going. And others of us who are not in the game and you're not making disciples in the home and you're not making disciples anywhere, maybe the most honoring thing you could do is ask your children for forgiveness for not modeling that, for not modeling what it looks like 
Because you've received the grace of God. We don't have to walk in shame and hide anything. We're free. And maybe the most powerful thing that you can extend to them is showing them that. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Christ and you're just here because uh, it's Mother's Day and your mom was like, what do I want for Mother's Day? I want you to come to church. And you've never put your faith in Jesus. The reason you're here is not just because of your mother. It's because there is a God who from the moment your mother had a first look at you to the moment you take your last breath has been pursuing, seeking, and wanting a relationship with you to the degree where he would go and die on a cross and give his own life so that he could have a relationship with you. And he died in your place for every sin you've ever committed or ever will commit. And he came back alive showing that payment was more than enough. And the message to you is there's a God who wants to restore far more than your relationship with your mom, but with your heavenly father. And that's the reason you're here. And the rest of us get to now go be hands and feet, model love of Christ, point people to scripture, and that there's a God who redeems rebellious people like me and like you. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.